0: Welcome to the Archmi podcast, featuring our senior customer trainer, Blaine Rada. Arch Mortgage Insurance Company, or Archmi, is a leading provider of mortgage insurance, or MI, in the United States. Our competitive pricing tool, Archmi RateStar, is the leading risk-based pricing platform in the industry, providing rates based on a thorough understanding of the underlying risk. Here's your host, Blaine Rada. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Blaine Rada with
1: ArchMI. These podcasts are an opportunity for me to share some of the perspective that I've gained after over 30 years of experience in mortgage lending. But more importantly, they are to help you separate yourself to establish some differentiation between you and all of the other choices that borrowers and realtors have when it comes to choosing a mortgage lender. So something that you can always expect is that these are basically a conversation, although one-sided, you won't be able to talk to me, but they're not scripted. So I've got some some thoughts, some ideas, an outline of what I'd like to share with you for each of these, but uh, they, are, they are just literally thoughts uh, streaming from my consciousness. So just know that that's kind of what you can expect. Also, I tend to cover quite a bit in each of these. I put as much into the time as I possibly can to ensure that there's as much valuable uh, content for your time and that there's, you know, such a variety of people who are listening to these. I can't possibly know what each of you needs to hear and what would be relevant to everybody that listens. So I just try to put as much in as possible, hoping that there'll be something in it for everyone. That also means that you may have to listen to these more than once or stop it and re-listen you know, re-look, to certain sections or take some notes along the way or just try to make sure you're not doing too many other things while you're listening so you can actually let some of these ideas sink in. And of course, they have, for the most part, a sales focus, although I'm often told that a lot of other positions within our industry can benefit from the content. And from just a sales standpoint, they're not even necessarily just about mortgage lending. A lot of people in all kinds of different sales could probably benefit from these ideas. But because they do have a bit of a sales focus, I want to make sure you understand my worldview as it relates to sales. And that is that I don't believe selling is about getting the sale. Let me rephrase. I don't think the focus of selling should be getting the sale. When that is our focus, we tend to manipulate. I'm just being honest. I've done it myself and I think often it's unconscious. Because the motivation is to get the deal, right? And so we kind of do everything that's required to get the deal. Instead, what I'm suggesting is that the focus of selling should be establishing if you're the best fit. If you are the best fit for that borrower, for that realtor. And in the act of doing that, right, showing empathy, you'll make plenty of sales. That will not be a problem. But you will no longer manipulate. You'll really be doing selling as an act of service. So I just mentioned that so that you know kind of the worldview and the perspective that I'm coming from, in case that is not the same as yours. Doesn't mean we still can't learn from each other, but you know, this these will never uh, be about how to twist people's arms or persuade or convince people to do what they don't wanna do. I just don't I just don't endorse that type of selling. And if If that's your thing, I hope it works out for you. Okay. Um, I'm going to share a lot of information. You're going to have some insights along the way, invariably. Your insights, not mine, right? It's important that you come up with your own ideas about what you're hearing. But ultimately, it's about impact. And I say this every time. If this doesn't turn into time that creates change then it was just an interesting use of time. And honestly, I don't think anybody has spare time these days. I don't have spare time, you don't have spare time. So please soak the information in, right, or let it soak in, come up with your own insights, your own introspection as to what you think and believe about what you're hearing. But most importantly, have it turn into some type of an impact, a step that you're gonna take, an action that you're gonna take that makes a fundamental difference in your activity and ultimately your results then it's been a marvelous use of our time to spend together. All right, so let's go ahead and get into today's topic. I'd like to talk about growing realtor relationships. First of all, why bring this up? Because for some of you, you're already on board. Yes, tell me more. Blaine, I want to know more about that. Uh, Some of you might actually be thinking, you know, I really don't care. (laughs) I really don't care about realtors. You know, they're kind of a pain in my backside, honestly. And uh, we do just fine without them. We, we don't have any kind of initiative to work with realtors at my place. So here's, here's what I believe. Realtors are still very much a viable part of the real estate transaction. It's hard to know what the future of a realtor will look like. But as of right now, they are still a very important component, not only in helping people to find homes, but in referring that buyer to a mortgage lender. Even though people do their own research online and people know people, and when the realtor says, here are the two lenders I suggest you call, that's who they're going to call. So if you're not on that list, if you haven't developed enough realtor relationships to be a referral partner where they're giving your name out to buyers, you're only going to grow so much. You're only going to be able to do so much business. And then you won't be able to grow anymore until you develop realtor relationships. So if you're already doing that, and many of you already are, I'm going to hopefully give you some things to think about to grow those relationships even more or enhance the relationships that you've got. Um, And let me give you some perspective from their side of the table. Your average realtor is contacted by loan officers dozens of times a week. Dozens of different loan officers every single week are trying to make contact with realtors to pitch doing business with them. So just put yourself in their position for a minute. It's going to take a lot to get their attention. So let's just cut to the chase. I mean, I'm going to give you lots of, you know, nitty gritty here as we get into the content, but let's just cut to the bottom line. If you were to ask a realtor, just straight up, how can we do business together? what would it take for us to do business together? Of all the versions of answers that I've heard to that question, they can all kind of be summarized by them saying, you have to be able to express the value that you bring to that relationship, and it has to be something that's different from what they already have. That's it. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's easy, but that's the formula. If you want to do business with realtors, You have to be able to express the value that you bring to them, and it has to be something that's different from what they already have. By the way, spend some time watching the show Shark Tank, because the pitch that business owners do on Shark Tank to the investors who they're trying to get to invest in their company is what I'm talking about here. And notice what gets the investor's attention. Notice when the investors lean forward and say, I'm interested in hearing more it's when those business owners can clearly express the value that they offer and how it's different from what's already out there. Realtors want the same thing. So that's a big piece of homework in and of itself, to just work on how do you do that, how do you say that, what do you have to offer, and how is it different from your competition. Now, let's get a little more specific, because if we pressed realtors a little more, they'd say, okay, okay, here, here's what I need from you, Mr. or Mrs. Lender. Uh, three things. I need you to be outstanding at mortgage lending. That makes sense, right? They don't want to do business with a company that doesn't know what they're doing. Now, if you're a bank or a credit union, you got an interesting dilemma here. Because are you a bank or a credit union that happens to do mortgages? Or are you a mortgage lender that happens to be a bank or a credit union? Because those two things sound totally different to a realtor. If you're a credit union, for instance, that does mortgages, that does not sound as appealing as you're a mortgage lender who happens to be a credit union. Now, I, I can't say how you should position yourself. That's up to you know your ownership, your board of directors. I mean, you've got your own culture, your own way of doing business that is directed by people probably way above your pay grade. But what I'm saying is from the realtor's perspective, they want to know that you are serious about mortgage lending and that you are very good at it. That's one thing they want. The second thing they want is the borrowers that come to you need to be delighted. Oh, no problem. <laughs> we are just delight everybody that comes to us. Even though getting a mortgage is one of the most difficult, frustrating things that anybody will ever go through, that's what the realtor wants. They want the people that they refer to you to come back to them and go, that was amazing. I am so glad you referred me to that lender. It was the, it was the most incredible experience. So they want you to be outstanding at making mortgages. They want you to delight the customer, their customer, and your customer. And the third thing they want as if that wasn't enough, is they want you to help them build their business. Now, that may sound a little selfish, but it is what it is. They are looking for loan officers to partner with who can somehow help them do a better job of what they do. Wow. Okay, tall order. So this really ultimately is about selection. Two words here come to mind, selection and relationship. Now, selection goes both ways. When I was a loan officer in my early years, I didn't understand this. I just was trying to do business with any realtor I could do business with. And honestly, if you're new at this and you're just trying to make a living, then maybe it doesn't matter who you do business with. You just need to do business. But I eventually got that, you know, I have just as much of a right to select the realtor as they have a right to select me. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we would actually turn business away necessarily. But what I'm saying is the mindset shift, right, the shift in how you think that, wait a minute, I have just as much of a right to choose who I partner with as they do. That's a different posture. By the way, that's a very attractive posture to them because it shows confidence, right? It shows that you're not begging for their business. And honestly, most loan officers probably appear to most realtors to be begging, right? And you really want a true relationship. You want it to go both ways. You're both helping each other. You are both adding value to each other. So if you were in a personal relationship that was totally one-sided and dysfunctional, you'd hopefully, at least at some point, get out of it. Why would a business relationship have to be any different? Why would we accept a business relationship that's totally dysfunctional in one way? No, we don't have to do that. It, it, it needs to be reciprocal. So in a little bit, I'm going to talk about a five-part framework to kind of take some of these ideas and help you move through that process of building and establishing these relationships. But before I get to the five-part framework, I just wanted to share with you 10 very specific things that in all the time I've spent with realtors, and I have spent a lot of time trying to understand the mindset of a realtor, I've got a list of 10 things that they say they want from you. In addition to the big categories that I gave you just a moment ago, this is now like the small stuff. This is like the nitty-gritty stuff. So you might want to just ask yourself as we go through these 10, do you offer this? Are Are you really good at it? Is this something that's really solid for you? Or maybe not. You don't have to have all these 10 things, obviously, to succeed. But the more you have, the better your chances. All right, so in no particular order, there really is no order to this list that I'm giving you. Number one, they want you to have a variety of loan programs. In other words, they don't want to have to mentally think through, oh, wait a minute, Uh, you as a lender don't do government lending, and this borrower really needs an FHA loan, so I have to send them to somebody else that does FHA loans. They, They just want to know that you've got programs to fit almost any borrower. That may not be practical. That may not actually be the way you do business, but I am just telling you that that's what they want, right? So any of these things that you don't want, that needs to be part of the conversation that you have with them so that proper expectations are set as to what you can and can't bring to the relationship. But ideally, they want you to have a variety of loan programs to to suit almost any kind of borrower. All right, number two, and you're going to go, duh, right? Captain Obvious, meet closing dates these contractual dates are a big deal. So rockstar lenders know these dates, especially on a a purchase loan, right? Not a refinance where it's kind of, you know, there's no realtor and it's, it's not that maybe as important, but the contract dates on a purchase loan, a big deal. Number three, provide status. Proactively let them know what's going on. Again, some of you might be saying, oh, that's obvious. That's that's I do that all day long. Well, I can assure you there are some of you who are listening. You wait for them to call you. I don't want to wait for that phone call. Because first of all, it's probably going to come at a not convenient time. And I'm, I'm bothering them. If they have to pick up the phone to call me to find out what's happening, when I could just let them know. And obviously, there's only so much information that you can give a realtor about the borrowers and their particulars and what's happening. But just to keep them in the loop, to keep them informed, that's what they're looking for. That was number three, provide status. Number four, good communication. Now, I keep mentioning this word communication in these podcasts, but every time I'm kind of taking it, you know, down a different path. So let me mention specifically what they say about communication. They want transparency. In other words, they, they want to know what's going on. They don't want something to be hidden from them, right? They don't want you to be not forthcoming, right? So be transparent in your communication. They also want you to take accountability when you need to take accountability, you know, we have a tendency when things go south to start looking around for who can we point the finger at, right? Who can, we, who can we blame perhaps? And realtors have no tolerance for that. Now, they may not be the greatest example of this themselves, right? But because they're kind of independent, even if they work for a company, realtors are very much almost like a, a self-employed person. And it all kind of ends up on their lap, right? So I think they expect that of the people they do business with you. They want you to take accountability for the stuff that you need to own. And they also want you to be an information source. So not just about what's going on with interest rates, you know, what's new with, you know, first-time homebuyer program. They also are looking to you to bring them information that can help them in some way, help them find more borrowers, help them put more people into homes. So communication is transparency, accountability, and being a resource, providing them with useful information, not just about your business as a lender, but about their business in real estate. All right, number five, solid pre-approvals. Solid pre-approvals. You know, that can actually be a differentiator in a very competitive market. You know, some lenders are known for their pre-approvals and others, mm, not so much confidence that that pre-approval really means much. So just imagine that there's multiple offers that come in on the same property and all the realtors are talking about these offers and who the lenders are that have pre-approved these people. Can you imagine if your reputation as a lender with pre-approvals was so solid that once they knew that... You're the one that had pre-approved it, even if that offer wasn't the highest, that buyer, but but their pre-approval was with you, that everybody basically said, that that deal's a done deal. Like, that's going to close. That loan is going to close because you have that kind of a reputation. That That could be a differentiator for you. Number six, local loan officers. They really do want to see you, to know you, right, to be able to... Get to you (laughs) if they need to get to you. um, That local presence, I think, means a lot to a realtor. Number seven, consistency. I'm sure I mentioned this probably in another podcast, but just imagine if you went home every night and you opened up your closet, and it wouldn't happen every night, but every once in a while when you open up your closet, a wild animal jumps out. In fact, you don't even know what it'll be. Most of us, I mean, maybe a handful of you are into that sort of thing, but most of us would stop opening the door. Right? That's the solution. If I don't know what to expect, I'm not opening the door. That's the same thing that realtors feel when they don't know what to expect because some loans you handle well, some you don't. You know, Some go well, some don't. As consistent, and I know you can't be perfect at this, and I know that you can't control everything, right? but as consistent as you can make your processes so that the borrower experience, the realtor experience are the same every time, that means a lot to them. All right. So let me just run through what we've gone through so far. We've covered seven of these 10. Variety of loan programs, meeting closing dates, providing status, good communication, solid pre-approvals, local loan officers, consistency. Number eight, one point of contact. Borrowers, by the way, will tell you they want the same thing. They don't want to have to call two or three different people to find out things. They just want to go to a single source. Now, if you then have to get back to them because you don't know that answer and you have to call someone else, they're fine with that. But they don't want to have to call someone else, right? They just want to go to you. You're the one point of contact. Number nine, this is an interesting one. They prefer to work with lenders that have a similar work ethic as they have. In other words, when did they do a lot of their work? Nights and weekends. They expect that of you. Uh, Did they make commission or get a salary? They make commission. They expect that of you. Uh, Are they pretty much available almost 24-7? You know, they'll answer their phone. they'll They'll respond. They kind of expect that of you. Now, again, that may not be your reality. You may not be paid commission. You may not work at a place where you're available on nights and weekends. These aren't deal killers, but what I'm telling you is this is what they want. They enjoy doing business with people that they perceive work in a similar manner as they work. And number 10, I kind of hinted at this one earlier, they want you to help them with their business. So they don't want you to just be this amazing lender. They want you to be an amazing lender that helps them be an amazing realtor. So, you know, you could start very simply by just thinking about them once in a while. You know, you hear about some thing in Congress that's going to affect housing, right? Housing, the housing industry, you know, has been batted about in Congress for probably more years than I can remember. You know, it should, should certain things be changed and what needs to be changed and what about regulations and so – We tend in our industry to just think about how that stuff affects us, right? How would that affect me as a lender? But what if instead, when I heard about something that was going on in Congress, I thought, how could that affect realtors? How might that either help or hurt their business? And then I take some ideas around that out to my preferred realtor partners and bring up the conversation from their perspective. Hey, did you hear about this thing that's going on in Congress? I was thinking about that and how it might affect you. They're so impressed when you're trying to help them with their world instead of just being a mortgage lender. Now, I'll tell you one more thing. I guess I'll add one more to the list. And it's not really a thing they want. It's a thing that ends up happening. And I first came across this um, a couple years ago, I was moderating this realtor panel and this panel of realtors were all extremely successful. And what was interesting about these realtors is they all had different business models. They all went about how they became successful in very different ways. And yet all of them were extremely successful. So it was really proof that there is like no one way to become a rock star realtor. And this panel was up in front of a big, large room and the room had like a hundred or 200 lenders. And my job was to moderate kind of this Q&A back and forth where lenders were trying to understand the realtors and the realtors were trying to understand the lenders. And it was really kind of just a kind of get to know you kind of a thing. And every one of those top realtors said something almost identical that caught my attention. They said that when they were thinking about their number one lender... So most realtors will have, you know, a handful, a few lenders that they're comfortable referring their buyers to. But when they think about their number one, because they all have a number one, their preferred lender, every one of these realtors said their preferred lender has now become a friend. And I thought, wow. See, when I was a loan officer, I never would have thought of that. I kind of separated personal from business. I didn't think about becoming friends with these people. Now, what do I mean by friend? I mean, friend is a very big definition, right? So I would say that friendship would be that you'd have a reason to connect outside of just business, right? That there was some reason for you to have a relationship or a connection that wasn't just business. So it could be as simple as you occasionally get together, you know, to just have, you know. some social time after work. I mean in other words, there's a reason to kind of have a connection that's not work related. Something to think about. So let me walk you through a five part framework. And these are five words that begin with the letter A just to make it a little easy to remember. And again, each of these you can look at individually, but it's a it's a progression that should help you to either establish or continue to build more strongly your realtor relationships. And again, it's a five-part framework that I call the five A's. So the first A is aim, as in taking aim. If you were to come up to me and say, Blaine, could you tell me how to increase my realtor business by 20% this year? I'd say, nope. Can't tell you how to do that because you don't have a target. You haven't determined who's your ideal realtor? What, In what way do you want to increase your business? In other words, just say I want to increase my realtor business by 20% is not specific enough. How do you specifically want to do that? See, you're going to have to focus in order to make a, an increase of 20%. You're going to have to have focus, right? Well, how do you have focus if you don't have a target? What do you focus on? So AIM is trying to establish either the who you want to do business with that you're not doing business with now, or what does that ideal relationship look like to you? And actually, I'm going to give you some suggestions about that in just a few minutes, how to kind of define your ideal realtor. But that's what A is all about. It's it's giving some thought to, so what is the target? What am I really kind of moving towards so that I can focus my energies on that? Then you have analyze. Analyze implies that now that you have a target, you have to do your homework. So if, for instance, you've decided that you want to focus on realtors that are, you know, within the top 10% of their office. So I only want to work with realtors who are in the top 10% of their peers. Well, now homework would imply you better do some learning now, right, on how is it that they become the top 10%. Like, how do they do business differently than other people do? Because you can't differentiate yourself, right? You can't come to them with what you have to offer if you don't know more about how they do their business. So once you've decided, okay, I want to work more with this kind of realtor, then the next step is to do your homework, to analyze how they do their business. What are their needs? How could I differentiate myself so that you can bring that to them? The third A is approach. This kind of goes back to things I've said, probably not only in this podcast, but others. It's about confidence. It's about offering value as opposed to begging. And honestly, especially in my early years of being a loan officer, I probably appeared to beg. (laughs) That's probably what it looked like. Here comes Blaine groveling for business again. And I worked for a while with one of those, um, I worked for a mortgage company that was affiliated with a real estate company right? So some of you have experience with this. So the only realtors I could call on were basically realtors that worked for this particular real estate company because I was like the mortgage arm, like the sister company. And so they knew every time they sold a home, Blaine was going to come calling (laughs) to find out Hey, what's going on with the buyers? Right. But honestly, when I look at my approach, you know, did I come to them with confidence? Did I bring a particular value? And I think I kind of went to them like, hey, we're sister companies. We're supposed to work together. You know, let's do business. Well, that's not very that's not, that, that that's that's not very compelling. All right, the fourth A is appointment. Now, I realize appointment is kind of an outdated word. I really mean interaction, but interaction messes up my A's. So I'm really talking about an interaction, but I'm using the word appointment. So when you are actually now going to engage with this person, right? So you've given them some thought to your focus and your target, you know, that was aim. And then you've done your research and you figured out how to differentiate. That was your analyze. And now you've kind of figured out what your value is, your value proposition. You have some confidence around that. That was approach. Now it's time to engage, right? Well, I would suggest you don't actually talk much about yourself, that you ask questions instead. That the best use of your time, if you have the ear of a realtor, is to ask them a bunch of questions and stop talking about yourself. Because remember, they've got dozens of people every week pitching them. So they don't want to hear any more about you, but they do want to talk about their needs and their business and how you could help them. So ask questions. And one of the smartest questions you can ask a realtor is about their current providers. Ask them about the lenders they're already working with. What's working? What do you wish could be different? What frustrates you? If you could describe the ideal lender, what would that look like? And what you're trying to do, you're gathering intelligence. You're gathering information, which leads to the last A, which is assess, because you have to ultimately assess, are we a fit? Are we a good fit? This is the step that I never took in my early years, because I just was willing to do business with whoever would do business with me. But the reality is, there were loan officers, or excuse me, there were realtors that I worked with, that I felt like every single time we worked together, I might as well be beating my head up against a wall. Right? It was literally painful. Had I gone through this progression and gotten to the assess phase, I would have realized we're not a good fit for each other. Their expectations are not what I can deliver. And sometimes it's simply just personality, right? It could be something as simple as that. But that's the last stage, to actually go through some sort of an assessment so that you can get back to those two words I said before, selection and relationship. What you're looking for here is a partnership. Now, I mentioned I would tell you this, so I'm just going to do it now. It'd be worth you spending a little bit of time doing an exercise. I know, more homework. I'm always given homework on these things. But it'd be worth you taking a few minutes to do a little homework. And what I would call this is defining your ideal realtor. I mean, you could you could fill in that last word with something else if you wanted to, but we're talking about realtors in this podcast. So you could you could use it to define your ideal employer, uh, to define your define your ideal significant other, right? <laughs> to, to define your ideal borrower. But we're talking about realtors right now. But the same exercise could be used in all parts of your life. Right? So I want you to think, this is where you can't do this now, right? But if you choose to do this exercise, I want you to think about different interactions that you've had with different realtors and try to imagine the ones that were like the best and the worst, So the best interactions, the best transactions, the best relationships I've had with realtors, as well as try to think of examples of the worst ones of all of that. And then when you have those kind of in your mind and you can remember best and worst, then ask yourself three questions. In picking these ideal relationships, what are my must-haves? What what is a must-have for me to want to work with this realtor? So, for instance, you might have a must-have that they will respond to you when you need them. Because I'll bet there's some realtors that are very responsive and there's other realtors that you have to chase down and you can't find them. Because, you know, they do this kind of part-time. It's not a big deal. They're not even in town right now. Right. So you might have a must-have that, hey, if if we're going to work together and I need you for something – like you know, the borrower's not the borrower's dragging their feet on something, and I need you as the realtor to put some pressure on them. Then I need to, to work with a realtor who's going to respond back to my need quickly. That might be a must-have, right? So make a, a list of your must-haves. What must you have in that realtor relationship for you to feel like this is the best? The second question I would ask then would be, what are your great to-haves? Like it's not a must-have. But it would be great if I had this too. Like you might say, you know, and I'd like them to have a positive attitude, because you know sometimes realtors are cranky, (laughs) and I don't really like working with cranky people, right? So it's not a deal killer, right? But but if if at all possible, in addition to being responsive, which is a must have, I'd like them to be positive people. That's a great to have. And then your third question is, what are the deal killers? That might be one of the most important questions. Like you might say to yourself, I'm not willing to work with someone who's a raving lunatic when stuff goes wrong. And the first thing they do is call me and they literally swear at me and they're screaming. I'm not willing to work with someone like that. Maybe that's a deal killer for you. Now, keep in mind, it's not like you can literally probably control all of this, right? And only do business with your ideal client. But the fact that you've given this thought, the fact that you've kind of thought through what does your ideal realtor relationship look like? Based on the experiences you've had, both good and bad, what are the things that that are must-haves? What are the things that are great to have but maybe not a must-have? And then what are the deal killers? What are the things that absolutely make these relationships toxic and and, you know, gives me an ulcer and I can't I can't, you know, can't deal with it. To at least have thought that through, It'll help so much when you position yourself, when you go out and try to build these relationships and go through that five-part framework that we walked through, it'll give that much more clarity. And again, you can literally use that exercise in any kind of significant relationship that you're trying to build to kind of think through the must-haves, the the great-to-haves, and the deal killers. But we won't get into your personal life, at least not in this podcast. All right. So I know this has been a little bit longer than I like to go, but I've got a few more things I want to share with you. But wait, there's more, as they say in the infomercials. Don't forget listing agents. Don't forget that's a whole nother relationship that you can start to build. You know, as soon as you take a loan application, you should probably be finding out not only who the realtor is, obviously, if they didn't send you that business, but who's the listing agent. And just start building a relationship with that person, right? Keep them in in touch, you know, with what's happening. Give them the status, you know, meet them at the closing. Um, That's a whole nother source of potential uh, future relationship and business. Also, join their professional associations, right? Hang out with these people. The best way to understand what realtors need is to go where they gather and to listen to what their concerns are and hear them talk to each other. And, you know, we look at the world through the eyes of a mortgage lender all the time because that's what you do but they're realtors and the more we can understand their world the better we can figure out how to be of service to them so hang out with them you know go to their functions have a realtor panel you know bring in realtors And pick their brains, you know, feed them some food, right? I mean, have a luncheon, right? Most realtors have to eat, right? Middle of the day, might be downtime for them. Come on in, grab a sandwich. You know, we got 10 realtors here. We'd like to pick your brains and understand your business and your needs and how we can partner. And, you know, you could always do something like that. A lot of lenders right now I'm noticing are doing what I would call luncheon learns. So they're literally having like a luncheon where they bring in their their uh, realtor partners, but they bring in an outside speaker, like they bring in, for instance, someone like me. I've actually done many of these. So the lenders not there pitching themselves, right? The lenders not saying, "Oh, here, have some lunch while we tell you about how great we are." The lenders basically saying, "Hey, um, we got this outside speaker. We got this speaker coming in, and you know they're gonna they're gonna share with you some really good information that's gonna help you build your business, and." you know you get to eat and get some great information and it's really not about the lender at all i would call that a luncheon learn a lot of lenders are doing that and don't forget recognition you know i think realtors are pretty big on recognizing their clients their customers right when somebody buys a home the realtor tends to give them something when somebody sells a home to a realtor the, a lot of recognition goes into that whole business so don't forget in a in a you know obviously a, a legally friendly way there's probably inappropriate ways that you know, we might think of to recognize people, but um, find ways to show appreciation. You don't ever want to take these relationships for granted, right? That's that's the thing. All right. So, you know, I may have sound, made it sound like a lot of this stuff is is easy and common sense. It isn't. It, it isn't easy. It isn't easy to develop realtor relationships, but it's worth the effort. Realtors are going to remain a critical part of how you grow your business, Right? I think you can only grow so much without engaging realtors and building those relationships. But you know what? I should just get off my soapbox now. <laughs> I think I've I think I've tried to convince you enough. So, as I do always when I end these, a uh, few suggestions. My call to action to you: take a step right. Uh, take some of this information and use it please use the information don't just let it go in one ear out the other say okay that was interesting and just be business as usual do something with something that you've heard here please uh, it makes the best use of both of our time if you do that tell a friend share the news you know let let if you got some good ideas from this pass those ideas on or better yet turn people onto the podcast you know tell people that this is something that's worth listening to if you believe it is and talk to us, you know, keep us in the loop at Arch, you know, uh, get a hold of your account manager, let them know how they can be of service to you. What can we do to help you all grow? Right? We're in that business too. We're a PMI company that sells mortgage insurance, but we want to help you to grow your business, to do more business, to do better business. So we want to we want that connection with you as well. And of course, any feedback you have on the podcast is always welcome since this is kind of a, a newer thing that we've gone into. So that's it for this one. Hope you found your investment of time to be worth it. This is Blaine Reda with ArchMI. Thank you for listening.
0: Arch Capital Group Limited's U.S. Mortgage Insurance Operation. ArchMI is a leading provider of private insurance covering mortgage credit risk. Headquartered in Greensboro, North Carolina, ArchMI's mission is to protect lenders against credit risk while extending the possibility of responsible homeownership to qualified borrowers. ArchMI's flagship mortgage insurer, Arch Mortgage Insurance Company, is licensed to write mortgage insurance in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico. For more information, please visit archmi.com. ArchMI is a marketing term for Arch Mortgage Insurance Company and United Guarantee Residential Insurance Company. All rights reserved.